Welcome to Manager Tools. Behaviors to Improve Focus, Part 2. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. How can I get more done at work? How can I stay more focused at my desk? How can I be less distracted? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Folks, this week's guidance is brought to you by Roadmap, our new module in the Manager Tools application available in both iOS and Android that will allow you both to roll out the Trinity, one-on-ones and feedback for now, or to simply measure and manage your Trinity usage on -on one-on-ones and feedback if you've already rolled it out. If you're a licensee, for the thousands and thousands and thousands of you who are licensees, you'll be able to roll out the Trinity or, again, measure and management. If you're not a licensee, we encourage you to take a look at Roadmap once it starts coming out on October 2nd. See you then. All right, Mark, so on to our um, behaviors to improve focus. Um, Last week, we talked about really the the first critical step, which is to know your schedule, i.e. know your priorities, because your schedule should reflect your priorities, and know your deliverables. That's the first thing you have to do. So let's delve down a little bit more, maybe more tactical things we can do. And one of them is clear your desk. And God knows... (laughs) I could be better at this on a regular basis. Part of the reason I wrote this guidance is because when we start talking about focus, almost everyone today, this is 2017, talks about distractions relative to their smartphone, or as we talked last week, disattractions. And you ought to be attracted to your goals and your priorities and not to anything else. And the discussion is always amusing about being addicted to your technology and loving your gadget and so on. But in fact, there are other things you can do to be more effective. And when I see people who are easily distracted by their phone, who are constantly on their phone, um, they're walking down the street and bumping into people for heaven's sakes because they're on their phone because of fear of missing out, FOMO. I see all kinds of other cues in their work life that are a problem. And one of the simplest ones is their desk. A lot of people who are listening now don't really know this or don't think about it, but before computers, before personal computers, desktop computers, desks weren't primarily places to put your computer, uh, your monitor and your mouse. Maybe for those of you too young to know it, the other day, Mike, I was traveling, as you know, and I made a point of saying at the point that I was becoming an executive, we didn't have email, uh, which surprised a lot of people. They couldn't even imagine a world without email. But when Computers first started coming out, desks didn't adapt immediately to computers, especially with those big CRT monitors. The very first desktops took up the entire, I'm sorry, the very first desktop computers took up the entire desktop. And I really think for a lot of us and the power of the computer and now with connectivity and so on, that intrusion in what, into what used to be a workspace has caused a lot of us to sort of lose touch with the value of that workspace that is your desktop. So before we even deal with the myriad disattractions, uh, the problems associated with our electronics, you know, it'd be helpful to get your non-electronic house in order. And look, it's easy. And I'm going to give you a really good analogy, at least for those in the States who I think everybody's seen at least two minutes of one of those shows that were about hoarders where people have unfortunately, a a mental illness that causes them to hoard things into their house so much so that their houses are so full of things, all they have is a path to get from one room to the other. 
they have newspapers from 13 years ago and five-year-old bags of don't go much further it gets pretty yeah it gets pretty uh, graphic and gross yeah but here's the thing the solution to it is not to look at every single thing and argue about it the solution is to take everything out they take everything out and then they have a box outside and say okay you can put back anything you want as long as it'll fit inside this box so the answer to your desk folks is to take damn near everything off your desk i mean obviously you can leave a picture of your family there Get your office supplies off of your desk. I tell you, I actually, about two years ago, did this, tested it, and discovered that any benefit I got from reaching for a stapler or whatever on my desktop was minimal. If part of your job includes some admin stuff, some logistics stuff, and that happens to all of us at very time, various times, and you've got to staple 50 decks together for somebody, fine, leave your staple on your desk while you staple all 50 but you don't need your stapler on your desk. Put it away. Put them in a desk drawer. Put them in a shelf above. Notepaper can go in a drawer. You don't need 20 pencils that could go in a drawer in your vision on your desk every minute. You don't need a place for your backpack on your desk. You don't need the last 10 decks from your staff meetings. <laughs> yeah. When backpacks started becoming popular, at the time, I happened to be working a large insurance company. And so I had video of the managers and I have to tell you, people put their backpacks on their desk and they were, there was a bit of a fetishist thing about the backpack, like people's briefcases. You know, I like my briefcase, but they virtually never touched the backpack and they were moving things around it all the time. So get your backpack off your desk. You can hang it on the back of your chair. If you want, you can put it on a shelf, heck, put it under your desk. Your briefcase doesn't go on your desk. Books, you don't need books on your desk unless you're going to sit and read it right then. The rest of them, they go on a shelf. Your inbox. And for those of you who don't know, you have more than one inbox. And by that, I mean more than one other than your email inbox. Your inbox can go off of your desk. Otherwise, you're looking at it. And when you're looking at your inbox, you're not doing the work that's in front of you to get the work done. And you're thinking about the inherent demands sitting buried there in the pile. And by the way, if there's something at the bottom of your inbox you haven't done for six months, just throw it away. Or if nothing else, put it in a folder and put it somewhere else. Well, good. I, I'm glad you're coming to this because now I can get rid of that stupid clock you've been telling me to have on my desk for 20 years. Dude, a clock and a watch may be two of the most important tools mankind ever invented. And so you actually do need a clock. You, you don't need one on your desk. You can get one for 3 or $5 at walmart or any other store in your local area that could be battery operated and you could just stick it to the to the um, cubicle wall uh you could put it above your monitor or something i'm embarrassed to admit that i have three clocks within i don't know three feet of my head one directly in front of me in eyeline right above my computer monitor another one to my right which is a gigantic clock which i can see from anywhere else in the office and then a small one on my desk, but I'm not counting my computer clock. Don't think that your computer clock is the clock you want to be using. First of all, as I've said it before, you need to have an analog clock, not digital, not a digital clock. Digital clocks give you too much information and they don't give you the information you want. 90% of the time when you look at a clock, the information you want is how much time do I have to the next thing, to my deadline or to my next meeting. A digital clock causes you to do math. An analog clock, because your brain thinks in pictures, immediately goes, oh, okay, 
Yeah, I know exactly. I can look at the clock. I don't even actually know the precise time, but the location of the hands on my analog clock tell me whether I should get up from my desk and go or not. I don't have to look and go 948. That's 12 minutes. Okay, I don't. Uh, I do or I don't. I immediately know. So be very careful of thinking, oh, I have a clock. It's on my computer screen. The moment you want to look at your clock on your computer screen and then your screen is blanked or or uh, you've got a screensaver on it and then you open up your computer. Now you're looking at all your inboxes again. You don't want to do that. Any advantage you're going to get from having things close at hand on your desk in your line of sight while you're doing the work you're supposed to be doing is massively outweighed by the disattraction of all those things in your line of sight. I may have said this 20 or 30 times in the last 12 years. Those file folders that are on the back as far away from you on your desk or in the corner of your desk with someday, if you're a David Allen getting things done fan, mentally written on them that uh, have dust around the corners and, and look actually a little old, throw them away, bend them. Okay. You're never going to get to them. You're not. After 25 years of watching managers, everybody has them. And I ask people about them like, yeah, I'm going to get to that. And then I see them six months or a year later, they're not got to it. And by then every one of their priorities has changed. Now, if you decide you're going to roll out the Trinity and you're going to delegate your lesser tasks and you're going to tackle what you think are real value projects, great. And by the way, if you really want to tackle one of those projects, get it off the back of your desk, put it where you keep your pending work, probably in a drawer nearby, but not on your desk. Your desk is not for pending work. It's for doing work. And learn that David Allen getting things done technique of not, look at all these things I have to do in this one project, but rather, what is the first thing I'm going to do? And then what is the next thing after that? The whole idea of next actions, as many of you have probably heard over the years from Manager Tools for Mike and I, is getting things done is probably one of the most important business books written in the last 20 years. But look, if nothing else, get one of those banker's boxes or you know a, a file box or whatever, and put them all in a file box and put them underneath your desk. There's a, usually a lot more room underneath desks that don't get used. And if they're still there in a year and you haven't been looking at them, you just need to throw them away. I'm, I'm sorry. Something else about having a clean desk. I've actually talked to managers and executives who walk back to their desk and they're getting ready to go home and they see a desk full of stuff and it actually bums them out. I mean, they're not going to actually do any of the work on it, but they see all the piles and some people have piles and some people have a couple of things on their desk, but it innervates them. It, it bums them out. It makes them less motivated, less happy. If you're not going to work on it, if, in other words, if having them there is not going to cause you to do something about it, why would you have them there? Now, you may say, well, if I put them in the bottom of my desk, I, you know, underneath my desk, I... I won't see them. I won't be reminded of them. Well, I would argue that day-to-day, week-to-week, that's actually a net good thing because the reminder is not doing anything other than bumming you out, okay? Or, or the other thing is learn how to put together some electronic system. We would recommend David Allen's getting things done. You can use OmniFocus. You can use – there's all kinds of task and project software out there. And create a folder called Someday and have a list in there of all those things that are sitting in that box – under your desk. Now, having said all that about the desk, let's talk about the desk and your phone. Put your phone out of sight 
if it has to be on your desk. Now, what I would tell you is it doesn't. A lot of people say, no, no, I, I need it there. I need to be able to see it. And 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 I I generally don't recommend having your phone, if you're male, in, in a pocket on your desk. But if you need to charge it, um, that's fine. Uh, if it needs to sync up to computer, that's fine. Get a long enough cable and put it at the far left or far right of your desk, out of your line of sight. And don't charge your other wireless devices on your desk. Again, get them out of your sight lines. You can you can charge them underneath if you wanted, or up on a shelf if you wanted. And I want to go back now because I've just given you a bunch of suggestions, recommendations. The key is cleaning off your desk entirely. Yeah, you can have a tchotchke, you can have a picture of your family. And if you want a couple of pictures of your family, who am I to stand between you and your family? But you're going to have a lot of stuff probably coming off your desk. If you don't know where to put all that detritus because it overflows your drawers and shelves or whatever, throw it away. Or again, buy $20 worth of containers. Go to the container store if you're near one. They've got a million of them and they're awesome. And then put them on your desk or heck, take it home. Or find a bookshelf somewhere near you in the cubicle warren you live in at work and put them there and put a folder, you know, a sticker on them that says Bob's stuff. Nobody's in charge of that stuff. And then I'll make the final thing. I mean, to be clear, I've learned some of this by watching managers for years, but you could also learn it by reading David Allen, who talks about having things cleaned off and make some recommendations, even in more detail here. David Allen, getting things done, highly recommended. It's a great, a great book. I reread it probably once every 18 months just to make sure that I'm doing what I think I'm doing and fine-tuning my system. Yeah, I actually extended that a little bit. I got into cleaning a little bit. I'll never be OCD about cleaning, but I can't remember the name of the book that was a huge seller on Amazon about literally cleaning stuff out and get rid of, getting rid of things. And rather than doing it day to day at a time, doing it all at once, that feeling you get of doing a following David Allen's workflow in getting things done, of getting rid of all of the inboxes in your life most of which are in your head. And the whole point of one of the whole big points of David Allen is getting it out of your head and having a reminder for it outside of your head. So your head can be focused. And that's why we want to clean our desk. So our desk can be focused on what our head is focused on. Get it all out of your head. So you're not constantly reminding, oh, I can't forget that. I can't forget that. I can't forget that. Every moment I say to myself, I can't forget that. I am literally destroying value that I could be creating by working on something useful. Yeah, you're using mental space to track all this stuff in your head, which is just it's just crazy. I mean, the yeah. the overhead associated with trying to remember the 10 things you got to do today in your head is it's a tax that you, you don't want to be spending. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. It's a mental tax and and we're already bad. I mean, people are always saying to me, "Ah, oh, you know, I'm multitasking." I mean, those of you who have been around a long time, the Rich Roos and the Dan McGuire's and so on, Steve Holden's and so on, you know that we have been talking about this forever, that multitasking is a big fat lie. You can't multitask. Your brain can only think of one thing at a time. And if you have a lot of things on your desk, you're insisting to your brain when you sit down at your desk to multitask, to think about all that stuff. So don't do it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you started with the desk because we spend an awful lot of our working day there. And I think folks think naturally about the distractions we're going to get talk, we're going to talk about. 
I was going to say pagers, but I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm not going to say phones, et cetera. You totally ruined this cast just now for all the young people who are listening to people who are uh, 20 to 25 to 28, you know, because now we've dated ourselves. No, exactly. Yeah. Pagers, they're going to have to go look up on Wikipedia what a pager is. Yes. Um, yeah, it existed. But I think folks don't think about the distractions that are in their line of sight, right? And if you're looking at something that you're not using right now, at least some some part of your brain is thinking, what do I need to do with that? So let's get rid of those first. Now, let's talk about the other things that mainly electronic stuff that distracts us all the time. This is a pet peeve of mine, by the way. And just just to be clear, because I often admit that I'm, uh, I have to continue to work at stuff. But one thing that I'm pretty good at is... During the workday, my phone is off, my phone is muted, my emails don't chime, text messages, which drive me crazy, they don't chime. I don't see that stuff until I choose to look at it. And when I make the mistake of leaving it on, oh, my life is, it's awful. It's awful. Yeah. People have this interesting chicken and the egg discussion about notifications and, and essentially, therefore, distractions where they say, oh, gosh, I've got to have that badge on my phone that shows me how many unopened emails I've got because I've, I've got to know. I think this is sort of like FOMO, but regardless. And they never do anything about it. <laughs> right? but, well, they don't ever drive to zero in many folks' cases, but they always have it there and it's always reminding them. And what I would suggest is those badges have driven us to constantly be checking those things, so much so that the habit of checking them is so ingrained. You can get rid of the badges and you will still check it. Yeah, we've ingrained these habits that are not useful. Yeah. I mean, look, everyone says they've got to stay connected. Our culture is an email culture. Our culture is a text culture. Our culture is a Slack culture. But folks, how is it you can go to the bathroom and not be texting or checking email? How is it you can avoid checking your phone for the half hour your boss is briefing you on a critical project, uh, you know, in his office or you're in a meeting, okay? And I'm not saying you put your phone down all the time in every meetings, but when you, in every meeting you go to, but when your boss is briefing you on a critical project, you're probably not sitting there leaning back checking your phone. How can you be on a plane without Wi-Fi? Or heck, in today's modern world, the plane can have Wi-Fi, but it wouldn't do any good because you couldn't do any. There's so little bandwidth available, you can't even hardly check email. How can you be in a plane with, with or without Wi-Fi and continue breathing and drawing a paycheck when you don't have total access to all of your reminders, all of your messages, all of your notifications? How can you be on a date with your partner and ignore your phone? You can't. The answer to all those questions, you can't. Yeah. It's impossible. There are some people who's like, well... I kind of check texting when I go to the bathroom or, yeah, my partner and I agreed we'd keep our phones out and available, you know, when we're on a date. Okay, well, let me know how that works in 10 or 15 years. But all these examples essentially give the lie to our love of our phones and our devices, which, of course, brings up for me the phrase, people say, I hate email. And I'd say, no, really not. Things you hate, you work hard to avoid doing. Otherwise, you might as well admit you're in jail. Um, the fact is, as much as many of us do email, we love it. I mean, why would you do it if you so often, so frequently, so constantly? 
you know, we're in low grade email anxiety checking it. The first thing we do, we walk out of a meeting. It's crack. Is, is check email. Yeah, it's crack. Yeah. I hate crack, but I got to have it. So look, your phone, while an incredible thing, your smartphone and your laptop and your iPad and your Surface tablet, all that stuff are incredibly empowering devices. But I would remind you of the guy who was trying to quit smoking and he put one unlit cigarette in his pocket. And every time he wanted a cigarette, he pulled the cigarette out and he looked at it and says, who's bigger, me or you? Who's in charge here? And then he would put the cigarette back in his pocket. So as powerful as these tools are, let's not lose ourselves and suggest that the equipment, the technology, the device, the thing is causing us to do something. It's not. No thing causes us to do something. We choose. This is the beauty of being a free human being. So stop. Decide that you're going to take back the mental space, which makes you the incredibly gifted, powerful person that you are. Figure out how to mute your phone totally. Not kidding. Put it in your briefcase, under your desk, where you won't hear it. Now, you say, well, I can't do that. Well, yes, you can. You just don't want to. And the reason you don't want to is you believe there's value in having it constantly there. I would argue if your phone is sitting right in front of you on the desk, and I mean it's not charging, it's laying flat on the desk, and it's in your line of sight while you're typing an email or whatever else, you have moments, slices, it's as if you're doing time sharing on a computer where the computer suddenly jumps over, your mind suddenly jumps over and checks the phone. And for some people I've seen, if it's been 15 minutes, the frequency with which you check that phone while you're trying to type an email on your desktop or laptop computer, the frequency increases over the course of the 15 minutes because you are starting to feel like something's not right. In fact, I've seen people after 15 minutes just power up the screen of their phone to see whether or not there's something on it because surely there is because I'm constantly getting stuff. And what you've just done is been given through randomness a free 15 minutes to totally focus on that important email you were going to send to your team. And then you couldn't do it because the phone was in your line of sight and you were distracted because of the behavioral patterns you have set, because of the habits you have set, because you believe that you have to do it, that the phone causes you to do it. It's weird. I'm pretty sure there's probably already been a horror novel written about someone saying, my phone made me do it. You know, not my spouse. You know, I, I killed my spouse because he or she made me do it. Nobody makes you do stuff. Let's go further on your phone. Turn off all the badges for application notifications, okay? You know darn well you have all kinds of email and texts and Instagram posts and Facebook posts. You know you do, okay? Being reminded constantly of all the deliverables and all the disattractions is like someone walking around all day saying to you, you're busy, you're busy, you're busy, you're busy. You won't have time. Too much to do, too much to do. At some point, if that actually physically happened to you, you would turn to the person and say, shut up, go away. And since you know you're already busy, it's a stupid distraction. But that's what our devices are doing. And oh, by the way, I would argue, and I'm probably going to get some mail. And if I get some mail from my friends at Apple, I I'm okay with that. Guys, 
they're not putting the notification on your phone, that badge on your phone to benefit you. That badge is to benefit the maker of the app to cause you to interact with it so they can tell people how often people interact with their app. That's why they're there. That's why on some applications that I have on my phone, now this is 2017, I don't want to make this cast too timely as opposed to timeless. I only have two choices in terms of an app that wants to use my location, always on or never on. I got a golf app the other day on my phone and it says, you know, you have to use this with with uh, location tracking on, but you have to choose to turn that on. Would you like to turn it on all the time or never? Well, I don't want my golf application using my location and, or essentially taking some battery life while I'm presenting in Philadelphia or Chicago. But that's the choice. Why? They want it there. In a future application version, they want to remind me, hey, by the way, you're close to this golf course. You can get a $5 off coupon. Well, that's them wanting to do that. There's a benefit to me, but there's also a benefit to them because they can show people, hey, look, we have the number one app. People spend more time on our app than they do on other apps. If you are at all successful, you do not have time for this cacophony, for this Greek chorus of, of notifications, disattractions, reminders, alerts, and so on to be standing around you basically saying, don't focus, don't focus, don't focus. Now, Mike's gotten very quiet, so I assume I've gone on a rant, and yet I don't feel like I'm too far off track. Mike, am I? No. No? I'm okay. So. Good. I'm just paying attention to references to Greek choruses and cacophony. Yeah, I'm sorry. And- you know, hey, come on. You got to make it interesting. I got a question in Chicago yesterday. I was giving a, a keynote speech to a bunch of executives at a really great company, E2O, but just a bunch of neat people who are growing really fast. And I got a question from somebody as, as I was walking out about, you know, you had several references in that talk that were unusual. I said, yeah, I want to keep people on their toes a little bit. I know people who listen to the podcast and they, they literally, they literally have a dictionary oh, <laughs> with them yeah. when they listen to the podcast. Cause there's always one word. It's always, you know, it's not, you know, so you don't throw them out all over the place, but usually there's one word they go like, Hmm, I think I know what that means. Well, the word cacophony is a good one. Cause most people don't know that that's how it's pronounced. C-A-C-O-P-H-O-N-Y. That was a light one. That's not that unusual. Diaphanous. Now, there you go. One of my all-time favorites, verisimilitude. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. That's it for part two. We'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.